overseers, and deacons. Please be seated. And let me echo those welcome words that you've already heard. We're so glad that you're here with us today, especially our guests. And if you are a guest, you probably noticed that little uh, card inside that packet. If you would pass those cards to the inside aisle and they'll be picked up at this moment. The story is told about the preacher who, one Sunday morning, he was informed that one of his deacons had went to play golf that morning and was skipping the worship service. He said, well, I'll check on that. So that afternoon after lunch, he went to the home of that deacon. He knocked on that deacon's house door and the deacon came to the door. Preacher said, I've been told that you went off and played golf this morning instead of coming to worship service. That deacon said, well, that's a bold-faced lie, and I can prove it. I'll show you the fish that I caught this morning. <laughs> we are talking about deacons today. This is in follow-up to Billy's excellent lesson on elders, and today the question is, who are deacons and what do they do? What is a deacon? What is the purpose of deacons? I'm here to tell you that this is truly an exciting time for the 70 West family. We have the opportunity to expand our outreach into this community. We have the opportunity to expand our ministries. We have the opportunity to do so much more. But to do that, our current elders and deacons are going to need some new blood. They're going to need some men to step up and to fulfill the role of additional elders and additional deacons for our congregation. I hope and pray that every Christian man listen very closely to Billy's lesson and you in turn will also listen very closely to today's lesson. Because we need you to step up. If you are qualified, we need you to step up. Who are deacons? This is not my first rodeo. In other words, I have served congregations in the past, over the last 40-something years, who have installed additional elders and deacons. I want to share with you some actual answers. I went back and looked at some of those old sermons. These are actual answers from members from my past 40-something years. Who are deacons? Well, deacons are men you go to if you want something done. Okay? I've had people who define a deacon in that capacity. Also, I've had folks who say, well, deacons are servants. They're servants. Okay? Also, I've had folks say, well, deacons are elders in training. Okay? And then I've had folks who have said, well, deacons are the leaders of the church's ministries. There is a degree of truth in all those statements. 
but they're not complete. They're incomplete. In a moment, we'll share with you what the Bible says about deacons. How about to the question, well, what do they do? What does a deacon actual do? Well, once again, let's go back and look at actual answers from members of my past 40-something years of being a preacher. Well, deacons, deacons care for the church's facilities. They make sure the building and ground look good. Okay, that's what I've been told in the past. Also, if you have a job that no one else wants to do, you call a deacon. Okay, let's continue. Deacons. Deacons do whatever the elders tell them to do. Okay, and then finally, deacons take care of the poor. Once again, there's a degree of truth in all four of those responses from my members. But once again, they are incomplete. What are deacons? Once I was, a person asked me, made a request. It was about a member's friend who did not attend all of the assemblies. Here is what she said. If you ask him to be a deacon, maybe he would start coming to church again and get involved. That's not a reason to install a man as a deacon. That's what people say about deacons. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, let's look at the word deacon. The word deacon is an English word that's been transliterated. In other words, you take the original language, the word in the original language, and you create a new word in your language that kind of sounds like the original word. The word deacon is transliterated from the Greek word diakonos. Now, that word appears often in the Bible. The primary meaning of that Greek word is servant. It's servant. Usually, if you see the word servant or serve or, or something of that nature, it's probably going to be the Greek word diakonos. Now, of the times that we see this word in the New Testament, that word is translated as deacon only in that greeting that uh, Paul gave to the church at Philippi that's already been read, Philippians 1.1, and then also in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we may have a reference to the role of a deacon in Acts 6. We'll get to that in just a moment. But that's all we have. In all other places, the word is translated either as servant or to minister or, or minister. Okay, that's what the Bible says about the word. The deacon's ministry, the deacon's ministry requires both specific elder-like qualifications and also verifications of such qualifications by the church and her elders. Not just anyone can be a deacon. Not just anyone can be a deacon. I have a very good friend of mine who is a tremendous servant in, uh, in God's work. I mean, if you want something done, you go to this guy. 
He's never been married in his life. He's actually one year older than me. He's never been married. He cannot be a deacon. He can't serve. You see, not just anyone can be a deacon. Deacons, as I said, are only mentioned in Philippians 1 and, and 1 Timothy 3. And then they may be referenced in the book of Acts. Remember what happened in Acts 6? The devil is trying to, to stir up problems in the early church. He's, the, the devil's trying to derail the growth of the church. So what does he do? He stirs up a little controversy. We have the Greek-speaking widows being neglected. So what do, the elder, or what do the apostles do? They call for the church to select men that will oversee that work and making sure that the Greek-speaking widows are not excluded from ministry, from being served, from being helped. Those seven men in Acts 6 may, let me emphasize the word may, may be the first deacons in the Lord's church. Now, they are never called deacons as such, but they certainly serve the capacity of a deacon. So we have the, have the qualifications that we're going to look at also in Acts chapter 6. What was happening to the church in Philippi and what was happening to the church in Ephesus? You see, Philippians chapter 1, we have Paul writing to the church. It's probably around the middle 50s A.D. And actually in Philippi, everything's going fairly well. It's a pretty positive book. There are some problems, yes, that Paul will point out, but... But the book of Philippians is overall a very positive, very joyful book. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to Timothy as he's trying to serve, trying to, to impact the church in Ephesus. This is probably around the mid-60s A.D., and in that book, he writes about what deacons are supposed to do in the city of Ephesus. We've got some pretty bad problems in Ephesus. Consider the situation happening in the church in Ephesus that Paul is writing to via Timothy. We have a crisis going on. It's a crisis in the church and certainly a crisis in the leadership of the church there in Ephesus. Just five to seven years had elapsed since Paul's farewell meeting with the Ephesian elders on the Isle of Miletus. Remember in Acts chapter 20, he called them to the island and he, he had some uh, very definite instructions to give to them and some very definite warnings. Things had not transpired the way we want to see them. Problems, problems had come up in the church in Ephesus. Tragically, the Ephesian elders had failed to protect the church from false teachers. And false teachers had come in had impacted the Christians there in Ephesus. False teachers, what had they done? 
They had caused fighting. They had caused arguing among the members. There was certainly, if you read the book here, there was certainly a lack of prayer. They were neglecting prayer. There was improper behavior between the members of the church. There was the neglect of widows. But I would say to you the major problem was among the leadership. The leadership of the church in Ephesus had gone astray. And Paul is trying to encourage them to fall back to the standard. What's the standard? God's Word. He gives them qualifications for both those elders and also for the deacons. Paul even had to excommunicate two of the ringleaders of the heresy. They were so far gone that they were causing so many problems in the church there. Given this dire situation that we see here in Ephesus, it's no wonder the book of 1 Timothy is filled with intense emotions and strong sense of urgency. Paul wants to pull that church back to the right. He wants to bring them back to God. And to do that, we need to start at the top with the elders and the deacons. Now, it seems to me, here's my opinion here, okay? My opinion and a couple of bucks will buy you coffee in most places here in Hot Springs. It seems to me that one of the likely causes for all these problems was we have unqualified men had become elders and deacons during Paul's five to seven years absence. So we need to talk about qualifications. Prominent in Paul's strategy for putting the pieces back together at Ephesus was insisting that the church's elders and deacons be properly qualified and examined, circle that word, as to those qualifications before they served. Deacons, deacons are mentioned in connection with and also after the elders. You start at the top with the elders. Elders are also called, in God's Word, they're called overseers, they're called shepherds, they're called pastors, they're called bishops. Billy and I are not pastors, even though the world out there calls us that. I mean, I'm introduced so often by people out there as Pastor Michael. I'm not a pastor. That's an elder. Those words you see right there describe different functions of an elder. But today we're not talking about elders, we're talking about deacons. There are qualifications listed here in 1 Timothy. Keep it in mind, we're also going to be looking at the qualifications of the seven men selected in Acts. Many of those requirements listed for the deacons are the same or similar to those listed for the elders. Let's look at this now. From 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 8. Likewise. What, what does that mean? Well, in the way that Paul has been talking about the qualifications for the elders, like that, we're going to talk now about the qualifications of a deacon. Paul said a deacon must be reverent. 
Now, he didn't say reverend. He said reverent. What does that word reverent mean? It means dignified. It means worthy of respect. That means a man who has what? High moral character and stellar public reputation. In other words, he wins the admiration of others, both inside the church and outside the church. We might say reverent, he's a role model. He's a role model of what a Christian should be. Over in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, the word is defined as a good reputation. What do people say about you? What's your reputation? Are you worthy of respect? Do people have a high regard for you? Do you win the admiration of people around you? You know, it's easy. It's easy to be a good Christian on Sunday morning. I have no problem at all being a good Christian today because I'm surrounded by good Christians and, and you rub off on me. How am I come Monday morning at 8? How am I with my family who know me so well? How am I in my neighborhood? Am I worthy of respect? When I think about being worthy of respect, I, I go back to the young man Timothy. Here, he, Paul's writing to Timothy. Let's go back to when we first met Timothy. Acts chapter 16, verse 2. What does it say? He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra in Iconium. Timothy was highly regarded even as a very young man. Verse 8, it says, not double-tongued. Native Americans in this country would say, he doesn't speak with a forked tongue. What is Paul trying to get at here? He's truthful. He has integrity of speech. When he says his yes, when he says his no, you can trust him. He's a man who keeps his promises. Duplicity of speech ruins trust and undermines a Christian leader. And working with couples, I really emphasize truthfulness. Because we've got to be truthful with a husband and a wife, you know. And if you're not, then the, the basic framework of marriage starts falling apart. Well, here, in regards to the deacons, he's got to be truthful. Integrity of speech. You trust what he says to you. Not double-tongued. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, putting away lying. Let each one of you speak with what? Speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Verse 8, not given too much wine. Any addictions, any addictions, wine, drugs, pornography, you, you name whatever addiction you want to name. Any addictions will damage one's reputation.
A Christian with a drinking problem is what? Controlled by the flesh, not by the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, that can lead to others' issues, such as what? Uncontrolled anger. Yeah, definitely. Lying, definitely. Or even spousal abuse. If you caught Bible investigation last night, the question was sent in by a woman who wanted to know, do I have to remain with my husband if he continues to beat me? We're now, I'm down in, in, in counseling with them, working with that couple. What caused the spousal abuse? The man has a drinking problem. Not given to much wine. Proverbs chapter 31, it is not for kings, old Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. It hurts tremendously. It hurts. 2 Peter chapter 2, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. If you have an addiction, you are in bondage to that addiction. Not greedy for money. Think about the impact of money on Judas. For just a moment, think about that. Judas was one of the twelve. There was hundreds and hundreds of disciples, followers of Jesus. Jesus only selected twelve. Judas stood head and shoulders above the rest. You take those twelve, any one of those twelve stood head and shoulders above the rest. In other words, Judas started out on good ground. What caused Judas to fall? The impact of the greed of money. It caused him to fall. Money is something we have to have, but we can't allow money to control us. To control us. Judas allowed money to control him. Hebrews chapter 13, keep your life free from the love of money. You see, it's not just money, it's the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. We're going to talk more about that tonight. Come back, Lord willing, tonight as we look at Revelation. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Verse 9, Paul says, Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. A deacon must know the beliefs of the Christian faith. He must possess the faith. He must hold firmly to the faith. And he must live a life consistently with the mystery of the faith. How strong is his faith? How strong is his faith? Verse 10, but let them also first be tested. The assessment of a 
prospective deacon qualifications must be taken just as seriously as that of an elder. He needs to be examined because he is going to serve a very important role in the church. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Go to actually the last two verses, verse 24. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. A deacon needs to be examined. He needs to be examined by both the church and proposing him as a deacon and certainly by the elders. He needs to not just be accepted on looks. He needs to be accepted because he truly is qualified to serve in that capacity. Verse 10, it says, being found blameless. Well, hold here, Michael. Hey. That means perfect, right? Well, no, that's not what Paul is talking about here. This does not imply that the deacon is free of all faults. Deacons are not perfect. The only person ever walked this earth who was perfect was Jesus himself. When we talk about being found blameless, this is in regards to the qualifications that Paul is talking about. When you look at these qualifications, you say, yeah, that guy right there, that guy fits the bill. He looks like these qualifications. Verse 11. Let's talk a little bit about the wife. A deacon needs to have a wife who is reverent. Once again, good reputation, good moral code. A wife who's not a slanderer, who's temperate, who's faithful in all things. Because the wife, what she does or does not do, has a direct bearing on what? On her husband. One of, the, one of the greatest youth ministers I ever witnessed personally is no longer in ministry at all. Why? Because his wife, his wife decided to have an affair. And she ended up leaving him and going with a woman. His ministry was destroyed. And he ended up returning back to his father's, his family's business. You see, a wife has a big influence over her husband. I know Billy would agree with me, uh, Brandy, and then also Lisa. They have a big impact on what we do. We could not do what we do if it wasn't for their help and their encouragement. Well, a deacon's wife is going to have a big impact on how he performs his work as a deacon. So he needs to have a faithful wife. 
verse 12. Husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. A deacon, his first experience of trying to help manage a ministry, how to help lead a ministry, how to be involved, that first experience actually starts at home. Working with his wife, working with the children. How does that deacon's home life, what does it say about his abilities as a leader in God's house? We have your family, and then we have God's family, the church. Well, how does he function in his family? Because that's going to be a probably an indicator of how he will function as a leader in God's family. From Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Wisdom. The practical use of knowledge. Does he know God's Word? Is he open to God's Word? Is he open to the nudging of God's Word, the Holy Spirit? Is he willing to listen? Deacons are required to be carefully examined and approved by the church and its leaders. Right now, I am looking at a lot of men here that I deeply love, deeply love. We need you to step up and serve. If you're qualified to be an elder, we need you to be an elder. If you're qualified to be a deacon, we need you to be a deacon. Because if we want to have a bigger impact in this community, if we want to do more as a church, we need men that will step up and be leaders in God's church. What do deacons gain? Well, they gain much respect in the eyes of the church and have their faith deepened. What did Paul say back in Philippians 1, verse 1? He was saluting, he was greeting the elders and woe the deacons. Those men that I have known who have served as an elder or a deacon in God's church, they all, their faith has grown. It has deepened their faith. Made their faith stronger. Do you want to have a stronger faith? Then this is one way you have a stronger faith. You step up and you serve as an elder or a deacon. Deacons assist the elders in whatever fashion the elders need. You know, this would be similar to the function of those seven that played in Acts 6. Those widows needed to be helped. The apostles didn't have time to do it. They had the church to select men who would step up and function as servant leaders. What are deacons? They are servant leaders operating over, under the oversight of the elders. Deacons assist the elders by allowing the elders to focus on the most important task. The most important task of any elder is shepherding the flock, protecting the flock, 
and making sure that the truth is taught. That's probably what wasn't happening in Ephesus. So Paul, as he writes to Timothy, says, here is what you need to do. Make sure we have some qualified men serving as elders and deacons. Every Christian man needs to set the highest goal possible for his life. I firmly believe that. You know, when we think about goals, I can think of no higher goal but that of serving as an elder or a deacon in the church. Will you consider it? We need you to step forward. The sandhill crane is a very unique animal because the sandhill crane has to fly great distances each year. To accomplish that, and certainly to accomplish it during the time period that it's flying, it flies during a time period where there's going to be a lot of, of opposition in the air, a lot of turbulence, a lot of wind. So what does the Sandhill Crane do? They put the best leaders out front. The more seasoned flyers, the ones who've been on the, on the flight before, who know the path, who know the trail, who know what they're doing, they are put out front. And they lead the flock. But what do the rest of the cranes do? They constantly honk their approval. They constantly honk their encouragement. They are constantly saying, hey, we're behind you. We believe in you. To all of us, we need to encourage our elders. We need to encourage our deacons. We need to encourage whoever might step up to be an additional elder. We need to encourage whoever might step up to be an additional deacon. We need to be, every one of us needs to be a Barnabas. If there hadn't been a Barnabas, I don't know if we would have the Apostle Paul doing all that he did. Paul was encouraged by Barnabas. And because he was encouraged, he became the great Apostle Paul. We need to be a 2022 Barnabas for all of these men. This morning, are you a Christian? You know how I end every lesson. Reminding you of God's simple plan of salvation. If you, if you are a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. We'll have two elders down here waiting for you. Will you please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement?